afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops kicking off uh, its annual meeting in Baltimore today. Archbishop Jose Gomez will make his final address as president of the conference, I guess, and uh, they'll be voting on a new president and vice president. They'll be talking about, uh, I'm sure, the war in Ukraine, and certainly they'll be focusing on the Eucharistic revival, I would think. And joining us right now uh, from Baltimore is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, executive editor and Washington bureau chief for EWTN News and a senior fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. Are you in Baltimore already? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, I apologize for any noise. I'm in the, the Bishop's uh, Hotel, so let's just say for the next few days it's a happening kind of a place. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about uh, expectations for uh, this fall meeting. What uh, do you think are going to be the the issues of greatest significance that the bishops will uh, undertake? Well, I think the, the first uh, and probably most uh, immediately significant event is actually taking place tomorrow, which is the election of the new president and vice president for the conference. Uh, Archbishop Jose Gomez's uh, term has ended. We can probably talk a little bit more about that. Uh, and it is usual for the vice president of the conference uh, to ascend. Uh, it's rare indeed that that doesn't happen. I can think of one occasion when it didn't, when Cardinal Timothy Dolan was elected. I remember instead. that, yeah. But... Um, in this case, uh, Archbishop Alan Vigneron of Detroit, uh, someone I know you know very well, Al, yes. Uh, yes, is I do. not able to run uh, because he will be too old. Yeah. But it has a limitation at, at 75. So essentially, we're looking at president and vice president, as well as six committee chairs. Uh, that vote, I think, will tell us a lot uh, about the, the temperature of the conference. I'm especially interested in who ends up vice president. Uh, because that would be positioning whoever that is in, in three years or so to become president. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, who that person is, which bishop, uh, I think, again, will also tell us a lot about the, the overall sense of where the bishops think they are. Um, did Archbishop Gomez deliver his address yet? Not yet. Okay. Uh, today was spent entirely in closed session, and executive session. Okay. Uh, this is something that uh, we saw play a very important role last year as they were heading into this very meeting uh, with uh, the rancor that we saw in June at their spring meeting over the question of the Eucharistic coherence uh, and their document on the Eucharist. And I think it it really proved important on the part of Archbishop Gomez to build consensus behind closed doors. Not that they were trying to hide anything, but to let the bishops really speak bluntly and even more candidly with each other. And I think it proved quite important uh, in hammering out the final details of the Eucharistic document that they actually ended up presenting and and approving. Is there much talk among the bishops uh, regarding the Eucharistic Revival Initiative and the National Congress? Yes, uh, that is on the agenda uh, to be presented by uh, Bishop Cousins, uh, who will be giving an update on that. Uh, we are, he's the head of the Committee on Evangelization and Catechesis, and Bishop Andrew Cousins from Minnesota. Uh, he'll be providing an update on it, uh, in particular on the Eucharistic Congress, which is now about two years away uh, in Indianapolis. So many of the bishops are quite focused on that, both because of the importance of the revival, uh, but also because I think there are concerns about how much this is all going to cost, plus uh, what the lasting impact is going to be for that. 
Mm-hmm. I would also note uh, that one of the other key topics for discussion is going to be a vote on the development and guidance um, for very contentious document. Uh, you remember forming consciences for faithful citizenship right. which has become the, the primary document uh, expression on the part of the bishops for the formation of our consciences before we vote. That has that sparks, if you remember, one of the most contentious floor debates uh, in the history of the conference uh, between then Bishop McElroy uh, and uh, I think it was Cardinal DiNardo, uh, who was, I think, vice president at the time. Uh, I think we can expect some interesting conversations about this because they're, they're looking at four possible options. The one is to reissue it completely with limited revisions. Uh, but also to incorporate what they're describing as the recent papal teaching and policy developments, as well as a new introductory note. But they're also wondering if it should be reissued without revisions and just a new introductory note. And then some other options about bullet-length um, inserts, you know, bulletin-sized uh, summaries, mm-hmm. or uh, new things that will replace entirely. So oh. I think we'll again have a pretty good sense post-midterm heading into what we already know is going to be a bitter 2024 presidential campaign, where the bishops want to take this document, because it it is going to remain, for them, crucial uh, as their primary means of talking to Catholic voters. Uh, And I can guarantee as well uh, that uh, the issue of abortion and whether or not uh, it remains what the bishops describe as the preeminent issue of our time. Uh, stays as well. Yeah, that will be interesting because that those are those are for some bishops those are fighting words. Um, those who want to include them and those who want to eliminate them. Uh, so we'll see uh, how they actually right. play that one out because it will send a signal. Uh, I, I'm not sure how they if they remove uh, that phrase, uh, they they're going to have to understand that. Many of us will see it as a uh, self-conscious de-escalating of the concern for abortion. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I have no idea. Do you have any idea how it's going to go? Uh, I, again, I think part of it will depend on um, who ends up president and who ends up vice president. Okay. And my guess is going to be that there will be a number of progressive bishops who feel fairly emboldened, uh, especially by the results of the midterms, right? Uh, to, to make the case that uh, this has to be a reconfigured type of a document, uh, that uh, it should be, at least in their view, um, more consistent, again, in their view with what Pope Francis is stressing. Now, as we saw with Pope Francis on his flight from Bahrain and, and his, again, frequent reiteration uh, he is far, far from uh, weak or questionable on the issue of abortion. Right. So I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation when the bishops get to it, unless they decide to try to have as much as possible of it in their executive session today. We'll, we'll know exactly how smoothly it goes. Yeah. Uh, will there be any discussion on the war in Ukraine? Yes. Um Archbishop Boris Gudziak uh, will be giving a, an update on it, yeah, good. Uh, which I think is kind of an important uh, update, in, in part because I think there's real worry on the part of uh, the Ukrainians uh, that this is a war that's becoming forgotten. Mm-hmm. And 
I think any update on this situation is going to be uh, important, I think, for all of us to hear. Yeah. And uh, Bishop Kuziak is uh, really an outstanding communicator. Um, he's also associated at a high level with the, uh, the Catholic University in Lviv. There. That's right. So he's um, really well positioned to discuss this. Uh, Very much, yeah. Do you, is the is the abuse issue uh, on the agenda? Uh, there are always going to be the important updates that the bishops will be receiving on that topic. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're seeing the usual updates. Uh, for example, uh, on the National Advisory Council, uh, as well as I think we're going to to hear from. Uh, I think Bishop Johnston with the Committee on the Protection of Children and Young People. There's going to be a reflection and prayer uh, from Cardinal uh, Tobin of Newark. Uh, so yeah, this remains, I think, uh, a very significant issue for the bishops, and, and they know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, will they get to the Synod on Synodality? <laughs> yes, they will. I, I would argue that I... I would say that uh, the, the progressive bishops especially are very eager to discuss that. Uh, but I think all of the bishops recognize that uh, this is something they need to be uh, working on together. Sure. Uh, we've got, of course, coming up, uh, the continental phase uh, and of, of the synod on synodality. So the bishops, I think, will want to be weighing in on that. Uh, we saw over this last year varying levels of participation with the significantly dependent on which diocese. Uh, overall, I think we only saw about a 1% participation on the part of the faithful, so everything that can be done to hear uh, more voices uh, in the ramp-up uh, to the actual synod, I think many of the bishops want certain voices to be heard, and, and that would include, for example, the supporters of the traditional Latin Mass, uh, those Catholics who are concerned that there is not enough focus uh, on the in the church on the issue of abortion and things like that. So mm-hmm. it'll be a discussion without question. Uh, and I, I'm trying to remember, I recall here that uh, there might be a discussion of a uh, coming crisis in France for the episcopacy there. I mean, does that, it's hard for me to imagine that the U.S. bishops would take up a topic like that. But I saw one report saying that uh, they thought they would. Well, what it would likely be is an informal uh, vote uh, for the the welfare of the French church. I mean, we've had now a series of disasters uh, in France. Uh, We had the the trial of Cardinal Philippe Barbarin. We had the resignation on what Pope Francis called the altar of hypocrisy by Archbishop Opetit of Paris. Uh, and now, of course, we've had the uh, shocking and horrifying admission on the part of Cardinal Ricard uh, of uh, an abuse of, of a 14-year-old girl. So oh. these are, are really significant body blows to the French Church. And I, I think other Episcopal conferences are looking at this, and I think we need to keep the French Church in our prayers. If for no other reason, given the number of attacks that are taking place on an almost daily basis on French churches and institutions as it is, these um, catastrophes, spiritual and institutional, uh, are doing little to improve the morale, uh, but also the strength uh, and the, the calls for reform in the French Church in a way that are very faithful to the teachings of the Church, as we're seeing in Germany. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is 
Are these incidents uh, recent uh, abuses, or do these go back many years? In the case of uh, Cardinal Ricard, it, it went back some decades. Uh, so it's more of a disaster from the spiritual side uh, and also the institutional side than from what I understand would be the legal side, yeah, uh, okay. as the, most of the statute of limitations have, have ended some time ago. Now, there will likely be uh, civil other legal consequences to this. Yeah. But um, one thing, too, that uh, on a more positive sense that's worth talking about, and hopefully we can, we can get back to this uh, this week, uh, the bishops are going to be discussing three uh, servants of God. Uh, one, yeah. Michelle Dupont, who died, I think, in 2014. She was a, a focused missionary. Uh, another, uh, Cora Evans, who was a housewife and mystic. Yeah. And another, Margaret Mary Healy Murphy, who is the founders of the Sisters of the Holy Spirit and Mary Immaculate in Texas. All remarkable uh, women in their own right. And the bishops will be voting to sort of advance their causes on a local level. That's interesting. So the U.S. Conference actually has some say uh, for, in causes for sainthood, then? Uh, it does. It's very important uh, as new causes get underway, uh, as the servants of God have the initial cause approved for Episcopal conferences, for the body of bishops to weigh in and, and really have uh, their say uh, on uh, advancing on the local level the cause of beatification and canonization. In a way, it's a kind of... A seal of approval on the part of an Episcopal conference, okay. and almost never does it not actually receive approval. But I think it's it's important for the the voices of all of the bishops to be heard in this. Yeah, yeah. One last question for you, Matthew. Uh, yeah. Do you is there anything to expect from Archbishop uh, Christophe Pierre, the uh, papal nuncio, and do we know what he's going to address? Uh, well, he will of course be speaking uh, with. Uh, and to the bishops. Uh, he'll be one of the first speakers uh, tomorrow morning, uh, as is customary. Uh, and in that sense, I think uh, he'll have a lot to say, as he usually does. I, I would expect he'll discuss the uh, Synod on Synodality, uh, the aims and goals of Pope Francis, especially uh, on the Synod. So we'll read it with great interest, okay. as well as the final presidential address of Archbishop Jose Gomez. Well, look forward to talking about it tomorrow, then. Thank you. I'll be here. God bless. Dr. Matthew Bunsen uh, in Baltimore this week for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops annual fall meeting. I'm Al Cresto.